Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer trying every day to mind my mindset, Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, with her mind on her money and her money on her mind, Heather MacArthur. That was my favorite song whenever it first came out. I like any song that references making, making your money. Because what was the one that JLo came out like, De Niro, De Niro, De Niro. I, like, I learned that verbatim. I would go to my clients and I would play that and I would learn it verbatim and play it back. So I literally, I know that song. Uh, plus, you know, the whole video, she's got her blinged out cup. Anyways, I, I, I think you've... Thank you for that intro because it's so close to my heart. Um, <laughs> Thank you for indulging me in the worst possible Snoop Dogg. I mean, that's <laughs> that might be a war crime. I might be in trouble for that. It was very Alanis Morissette version of <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Which, you know, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for um, uh, tuning in again for another session with us. We're walking listeners through strategies, attitude changes, and actions that put you in the driver's seat of your own career advancement, and most importantly, helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. And you know, we've been doing the last couple of shows. Um, it, it, you know, it's in such a, a weird climate, so we're trying to touch on topics that I think people are are struggling with, and also just helping uh, for those listening to have something to keep them going. I, I spoke one-on-one to someone that we just happened to meet on LinkedIn um, uh, through through some of the posts that were coming up in these recent months. And, you know, just people are kind of being a little bit more emotional on their posts on LinkedIn. And it's something that she had posted about, she was having a hard day. And, you know, if anybody if anybody else was having a hard day and they wanted to chat to let her know, and I thought, hey, that's a really, really generous offer. And, you know, I just kind of said that on there. And I said, yeah, maybe at some point, if you want to chat, her and I now have become kind of like, we check in every month with each other. So random strangers. And I checked in with her, we had our call last week, and she just mentioned she was really in a tough place um, around her job. And we walked through it. And afterwards, you know, she's like, God, I just I feel so much better. And I just realized how much, you know, people, myself included, like, hearing from people and just getting a little bit of more of that, that shift. So today, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about the most is that, you know, first and foremost, really being careful and disciplined and nurturing with, with how we think our mindset that we're, we're, we're kind of living in every single day. Um, You know, what I've, what I've noticed is because, you know, news is always kind of pumping fear into us and we've had moments where the fear kind of escalated like 9-11 and that type of thing. But but this is such a, you know, smorgasbord of crap. Uh, the, <laughs> well put. Uh, <laughs> I was really trying to like a buffet. No, no, that's, that's too neat. smorgasbord. Uh, yeah, this, you know, because it's, yeah, that feels fitting. Um, it's messy and it's clustery. So I, I just, you've got all this stuff and we don't need to list through all this stuff. Everybody knows what kind of crap is going on right now. But I, I just, a lot of it is, amplifying this idea of there's not enough to go around things are things are gonna are uncertain and uncertain in a negative way and all this stuff happening and you know there's genuine problems that are surfacing that we should tackle but I still you know to me it's not about have a positive mindset and just see the positive especially when a lot of people are seeing a lot of 
genuine, literal, horrible things happening. But I do think that the shifting and, and tending to is your mindset at setting you up to instruct your brain to be creative or is your mindset instructing it to shut down and look for survival? And what I mean by that is some of the conversation that I had with the, with the person I was touching base with and also some others is, is that as soon as I said, you know, instead of saying like, oh, this is, this isn't working out for me, which then your brain goes, oh, okay, so this is a dead end versus I haven't figured this out yet, which is that growth mindset piece. Then mm -hmm. your brain goes, oh, I'm supposed to figure something out. Let me be alert. Let me look for solutions. Let me look for opportunities. That's different than just see the positive, ignore the fact that this building's on fire. Look at this building that's not on fire. <laughs> this building's on fire. And it's going to then catch on fire to other things if I don't take care of it. So I can't just ignore it. I think some people think that being positive and optimistic equals ignoring and not dealing with reality. And I disagree. I think it's more of, and maybe just get rid of this whole positive or negative thing and just go, are you giving instructions as you're thinking to yourself or talking to yourself? Because, you know, everyone's working from home. So there's probably some conversations happening with yourself. <laughs> but are you, are you asking yourself and giving yourself instructions that sets your brain up to really be creative? And I, I think we have lost, I see this when I work with adults, um, that we, we, we lose what we had as kids, this kind of curiosity, this this desire to create when there's something not there. Like if I don't have a friend, I'll make up a friend. You know, there's this, <laughs> sorry, a little flash. Into my childhood. Uh, <laughs> like there's, but your brain, that's not actually a child capacity. That's a brain capacity. And that's where creation comes from. And so we don't tend to tap into creativity. We tend to look at the world and go, oh, that's all that there is. And so that's all that there will be. But if you, if you engaged in that curiosity and if you trained your brain and the language you use with it to send it on, you know, give it marching orders to go make up ideas for you. Like I haven't figured this out yet. Oh, I wonder how I'm going to solve this versus, Oh, another problem or, Oh, I'm never going to get out of this. Like your brain is a very, like it trusts you implicitly, meaning anything you think and tell it, it goes, that must be the truth. And so you're programming it. And I just find that people are kind of, this is what's kind of jacking us up because the fear comes in and the fear messages are, this will never work out. Everything's going to go to crap. Uh, versus when you, when you're optimistic and you have hope, you believe that there's, that there's something out there and there's, you just haven't figured it out yet. And that's where I think hope comes into it. And I don't know, Katie, I, like it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to make it a very kind of non-emotional thing that it's just practical to do this. Um, but I loved your post that you had this week of looking to, you know, you, you posted this great thing about, you know, being grateful for the things that, that, that you get to do in your job. And what was that like for you when you put like, why did you post it? And like, what happened when you started to see the comments and everything? Well, so I'm so glad that we get the chance to bring that up and that, uh, th that, that post happened this week. Um, because I have a question to ask you about that. I posted on uh, LinkedIn just because there are so many times during the week for me, especially, and I'm sure this is the case for a lot of other people out there that if you are lucky enough to have a job right now, the job mm -hmm. that you are doing in 
all probability doesn't look a lot like the job that you were hired to do that you were doing before COVID uh, put everybody in their houses. A lot has changed. A lot of our workload has changed. A lot of our responsibilities because the entire world has shifted. The way we show up to our jobs has shifted. The stuff we're being asked to deal with has shifted. Um, I had a great day this week that stood out among a lot of other days where I got to do all three of the things that really make me happy to do in my professional career. I'm an instructional designer. I love geeking out on e-learning. I love building uh, training behind the scenes. Essentially, I just love building PowerPoints. This is, I'm just going to admit to go full full geek. <laughs> I love building facilitation that's going to get people to think differently about the jobs they do. And then I really love facilitating those types of workshops. And I had the chance in one single day this week to do all three of those things in the span of an eight-hour day. And it just rang all my bells and made me so happy because there are so many days where I don't get to do it. Calling out the days where you're like, yes, I'm lighting up that pathway in my brain because I don't want to forget and I don't want to reprogram myself to think that that's not important. That's still the goal for what I'm doing with my talent is I want to do these three things that make me happy. So calling out Mm -hmm. when those happen... uh, what just seemed like a great opportunity to me. But I want to call out because you said there's a difference between being optimistic and being uh, positive in parentheses. Positivity, your description of what that looks like reminds me of that meme. Have you seen the meme with the cartoon dog that's sitting in the middle of a kitchen that's on fire and there's flames all around him and just goes, this is fine. (laughs) I feel like that was me sitting in in, in the uh, as we like to phrase it hot as balls apartment uh, the other day where I like I started working at nine a.m. and it was fine but but like by four o'clock I was like I've got a raging headache I wonder why and I'm like I'm sweating I'm in a pool of sweat and I'm like I'm just, you're dehydrated it's like, yeah it's like eighty degrees it's like a total hot box and I was like a lobster in a pot like oh how did this happen <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Yeah. Thank God for the air conditioning. Um, But yeah, I I don't want to be that this is fine dog because when change needs to happen, it needs to happen. So what can you walk me through the difference between that positivity? Like I'll just ignore that the house is on fire and the, the mindset of optimism. I will. And now this is like a little bit of a caveat because my boyfriend started listening to my podcast because he drives all day and he's like, I'm going to be supportive. And I was like, I really wish you wouldn't because I use you. And not always in the most flattering light. So, but anyways, here we go. Hopefully he'll miss this. Um, anyways, um, he, he, the thing is, 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 is um, sometimes we'll, you know, and I started this with him because when we first met, you know, like he, we came from the same small town and in the, in a small town that doesn't have a lot of resources and stuff, there's, it's easy to have an interesting, I, you know, chicken before the egg. I wonder how, I remember growing up in that town and seeing opportunities for new businesses to come in and seeing those businesses not allowed to come in because this fear of they're going to take stuff from us. And I'm like, yeah, but they would have brought a whole lot of other business. So when you, when you're, they, you know, they're looking at what they're going to lose versus what they might gain. And my, my, my opinion is, is that, that we'd be in a different position if, if there was a, a more of a optimistic outlook and a little bit more of a what's possible here versus what are we going to lose? Um, and so that, that bleeds into how you talk. And so when he and I first started dating and I, you know, I haven't been in my hometown for a long time and we would talk, he, you know, he was just really 
like he, I, without him realizing, he'd really point out all the things that were wrong and missing, whether that was the traffic, whether that, I mean, he still kind of does that, but because I'd be like, well, you know, you gotta be optimistic. He will sometimes while I'm going through something go, well, just be positive. Okay, like, Oh, interesting. Suck it, Mr. Because I'm going through, well, just be positive. If you want something, just be positive. And, you know, I just feel like, I, and, you know, and I want to just strangle him. And, uh, <laughs> But I, you know, the difference is he literally just walked in the room as I started saying these things. Hi, Don. He waved. I don't do, he wants to put me off. I think that's the next thing. And he did. And so, um, but like, you know, so, so my thing is, is sometimes it's, it's not enough. And so a lot of times when I, when I'm talking to folks, it's not that I'm saying just, just be positive and everything's just going to manifest. Like, no, I get it. You're struggling with something. But I, I see it less as a, because I think sometimes that visceral feeling when someone, when you're going through something, and you're like, this sucks and I blah, 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 because he's not wrong. Like I should be more positive. But in that moment, I'm like, okay, but that's not all I can do. I can't just look, what is it? How am I going to fix this? And I think that's where I say, when I'm coaching with folks, I, I won't go straight to the, well, you should be more positive, more optimistic. What I try to go to is what instructions are you giving yourself right now? And if your instructions are, and, and then that shows up in your language. And so it's, instead of saying like, well, just be positive. It's a little bit like, just stop smoking. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay. But, and they, if they've done studies with this, of like, you know, there's this thing of, well, now I'm going to go into, into some brain stuff. If your habit is to go down this neural pathway in your brain and someone says, stop doing that, but we're not giving them another thing to do that's different then your brain will continue to go down this neural pathway because the neural pathway exists. It's easy to go down and your brain is efficient to create a new neural pathway takes work. It's like building a whole new freeway. So anytime we're asking people to stop one thing and and do another, you know, do something different, you have to one point out the different thing that they should do. So if I don't want you to go down this neural pathway, what path would I like you to go down and how do you know, what does it look like to build it? Because then then during the time that you're asking this person to switch, they have to, A, not go down the neural pathway that's really easy, like it's just a slip, slip and slide to go down, <laughs> and B, create a whole new pathway, which takes a lot of work, and resist the urge to go down the easy one. And so if you just say stop, then you're just telling them, don't go down the easy pathway, just hang out there and stare at it. Right. And resist the urge to go down it. But you're not really giving them something else. So that's where I say, like, oh, just be positive. But they don't always, like, I don't know what that means. And I still have this thing that I've got to tackle. So that's where I go, like, what instructions are you giving? And I go to the, are you inviting curiosity and creativity? Which in itself is positive thinking, like something's positive, positive. but it's action oriented. Versus are you telling yourself, that this thing is a closed matter and that means it's closed and all it can be is as bad as, as, as it is. So if someone says, I can't find work, um, then that you're telling your brain that that is a fact. That is a permanent fact. I can't find work. And, Oh, okay. Well then why would I urge you my brain? Why would your brain urge you to log in and look for things? It's but not going to happen said, anyway. Right. Yeah, but if you say, I haven't found anything yet, 
Um, I, I want to find, a, you know, I, I need to find a new job. Like that in of itself is still that yet, that powerful word of the yet. And that's where they talk about in the growth mindset. I haven't learned that yet. I haven't figured that out yet. Your brain knows the meaning of the word yet. And what it means is that it's still on the clock to figure it out. But when you say, I, 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 I can't figure that out, then it goes, oh, well, I can clock out. <laughs> I'm all in on this analogy. So I am, I'm telling you, you got to stop. We're doing a road closed on the negative thinking and we're trying to get you to build a whole, to pave a whole other freeway, huge amount of work. The off ramp is the yet you give people a yet and they start to build the little off ramp, but it, it sounds like the, the follow-up to the yet has to be using that creativity that you're giving yourself permission to employ by asking questions, right? If you don't start asking questions about what can change, you're you're still kind of trudging. You're still trying to uh, go through the road closed sign and going back down that same path. So in your example where there's somebody that's out of work, I'm not going to find work. I'm, I can't find work. And you say, I haven't found work yet. What's the next? The next logical question seems to be, what can I do differently to find something or where can I, where else can I look, right? Isn't the, the follow-up seems like it would be a question to start to really engage that creativity. Yeah. And here, I mean, look, this is my philosophy. I'm not a neurologist or a neuroscientist. And uh, I love so your brain stuff. I love when you start talking brain stuff. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm the Cosmo version of neuroscience. I read a lot of this stuff and then I kind of interpret it. As someone once said to me, you really take a lot of information and just kind of make it look the way that you want it to. And I said, well, I just, it's my philosophy. I, you don't have to go with it. I, I caveat it with, this is my philosophy. But um, I have found in, in myself and in others, and this is a little bit of, of what I call like, I trust my brain. Hmm. that the minute, like, even like how you're saying like, oh, well, what's the next step? And I'm like, the thing is, is your brain knows. Cause when a kid goes, I haven't figured it out yet. The parent doesn't have to go now. What questions do you ask yourself? They just go figure it out. Like the human brain is naturally curious. If you tell it, it should be curious. And so I don't, you know, like, yeah, I could give you a list of, of like, well then go to question mode and then go to, but your brain already knows how to do it. It's wired to figure things out. That's why we've invented so much stuff. So you, I, I have this philosophy of if you just set your brain up to do what it's meant to do to figure things out, it will go do that on your behalf. You will naturally all of a sudden notice, well, maybe I'll log on a little bit. You'll be motivated. You'll be compelled to go, well, who can I talk to? Or maybe I, maybe I could bring something. You know what? I didn't, I had thought about it, but I hadn't done this. I've seen it happen with me tons of times where I, I sit there and go like, oh my gosh, this, I, this is bad. And I, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to book work or I'm not going to do this. And then when I start the Monday off of like, and my mantra is I'm, I'm, I'm Heather fucking MacArthur. Of course this shit's going to work out. <laughs> and when I tell myself that and, and, and then my brain goes, Oh, I forgot you were Heather fucking MacArthur. And then, and then <laughs> we like, we need to figure some stuff out. Um, but when I'm like, I'm Heather MacArthur, <laughs> like, my brain goes like, Oh, well, th this chick doesn't get anything done. And uh, so, but when I like, like, no, I got, I got stuff to handle. Then all of a sudden I'm like, there's times, I, I kid you not, there's times where I'm like so focused on, like maybe I've had clients cancel with me or something and I get so caught up in what's not working. And then I'll, in the, within a five minute time frame, and I've just kind of gone down into this thing of like, well, August is a bad month or this isn't once I, and oh, this has been tough and blah, blah. And then I'll sit there and go like, oh, well, I'm, you know, what kind of stuff am I going to book? I haven't figured it out yet. And then all of a sudden I'll realize like, 
there's like five things I haven't even that I have been that I keep that I booked that I need to bill for and I didn't even realize it. And so, you know, and I talk to other people who are consultants and this happens to them all the time too, but the same thing goes for people who I coach in their career. And, and, and when I say like, they'll say like, Oh, well, I'm not, I can't get hired. And I said, okay, well, you know, send me over your resume. I don't even have my resume written up yet because you never told mm. your brain that it's possible. You didn't even do the basics. And, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not. And let's talk about this because I get, I don't want to say like, oh, if you would have just been positive, you'd have a job right now. Like I get, there are people right now who have lost their job, who have been furloughed, who, who are out of work and trying to do everything they can to make it work and to make it happen. And I've talked to people who they've gone on interviews and they've gotten close and it just didn't pan out. So I don't want to like be flippant and just be like, oh, if you were positive, it would just happen. Like, just like when I was single and they're like, oh, the minute you stop thinking about it, you know, you're going to meet the perfect person. And, I, and it's like, you're full of crap. Like, that's <laughs> not how things pan out. And it's bullshit. And that's not what I mean. But I, I do. I don't know the answers. And I don't know. But I what what I'm asking is, is are you setting yourself up to be resourceful? Or are you setting yourself up to to not be your own advocate? And I don't know all the answers. And I. Uh, but I know that, and I've been in situations where I have to hunt for work and, and, and do things. And in those moments where I go, I haven't figured it out yet, even, even when I'm like, but I've been not figuring it out for a while. Every time I say that my brain, all of a sudden, it's like this, I don't know how to explain it. It just feels like it calms down a little bit. It feels like my head just kind of unclenches and something pops up. And sometimes what pops up is to call somebody that I haven't been calling that maybe could help me. Sometimes it's a, you know what, now I have the energy to go back online and put my applications back out because you know what, I haven't applied today. I get that I applied all week and I didn't get an answer, but I haven't applied today. And, you know, I, I, I haven't checked the status of something. And some of that is, you know, and I'm not trying to get into the whole, like, it's just the secret and just whatever. And I'm not trying to even diminish that because maybe that stuff actually quantum physics and whatnot. Who am I to say that that's not the thing that works? But I, I, I get that there's a lot of people who are skeptical. And when you're in the middle of feeling more secure and certain, because what you're really trying to do is you're trying to find certainty. And that's what you're getting comfort from is this idea of I am certain this won't work out. And that's the level of comfort, you know, kind of blanket that you're willing to tolerate is that instead of the, the blanket of something else is possible, I just don't know what it is yet, that somehow we've stopped feeling as comfortable with that we will take the scratchy wool military nasty green blanket that I used to have to sleep in when I was in, in the military um, we'll take that scratchy nasty blanket over this kind of loose blanket that we don't know if it's going to keep us warm or not but it feels a lot better it, it does feel a lot better the only reason it doesn't feel better is we just don't believe it's ever going to formulate into a true blanket like we're like it feels kind of like a blanket and it's soft and it's light and maybe it seems like it's going to form into a blanket. I'm just not sure. So instead, I'm going to take the crap blanket because at least it's a blanket. Okay, wait, I got to I'm going to drill down on this analogy. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I love your analogies. So we're we're under the scratchy, gross, although adorably olive green army blanket um, yes, true. that we have color. to. I mean, that's just a personal opinion. And we don't have another, we don't have a replacement for that. So we're going to sit in this discomfort because we don't have anything else. It sounds like what you're describing and using your creativity and being ready to take next steps is that 
we have to start knitting our own blanket out of the finest uh, mm-hmm. silks and satins. And then at- I love that. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Only the finest silks and satins. I don't think you knit a blanket out of silks and satins. That's how homec I am. But um, so when silk and satin sounds like the coolest R and B eighties nineties group. (laughs) I think they were backup singers for Prince. Honestly, I'm fairly certain. I think that's where I pulled that from. But so so in this analogy, when do we kick off the army blanket? Do we sit there shivering while we're knitting? How do we do this? Oh, I love that. So this is what I think people think it's I that I can't that if I lose the blanket, I'll be cold and blanketless Mm -hmm. and it'll take forever for me. But it's immediate. Like, that's what I'm saying is like your brain will immediately start doing something and you're not as cold as you think. Hmm. You don't need the security blanket. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. You don't need that blanket as much as you think. Like you've got the wool blanket on and you're thinking like, oh, if I, if I lose this, I'm going to you know, be cold and I'll, I'll be uncomfortable for a while. You will be uncomfortable for a while because you're out of your comfort zone, but you're not as cold as you think. And you won't take as long to knit as you may think. And so, and you're more than equipped to like, you know, nature didn't give you a blanket. You don't necessarily need it to survive. So let it go. And I think that's the problem is I know I was raised that way. My mom was very much vigilant about you've got to think through all the bad things that are going to happen because that's your way of, you know, somehow, you know, being being smart. That's I think that's the danger is we align that kind of like if I sit with fear and I I I would I would say that without her saying it directly, it was it was smart to think about all the bad things that could happen. That's you being prepared. But I don't remember her ever saying, let's be really prepared for success. So if we're so concerned with being prepared, why aren't we preparing for success as as vigilantly as we prepare for failure? Because when people say like, oh, you know, make sure that you, you know, you, well, I'm just being prepared. Like, you're not being prepared because you've not prepared for what if this completely goes in the best direction that it ever went. So by all means, prepare, prepare for the worst case scenario. But no one ever says prepare for the best case scenario. And what I find is, is because you didn't prepare for the best case scenario, you don't even bother to go after it. And then you don't know what it looks like if it shows up. 100%. And you will bypass it because you've been so busy focusing on what's the worst case scenario. So I'm like 100% go ahead and be prepared. The other thing is, is that it was some sort of sign to intelligence, this idea that, well, I'm just smart because I'm not making bad decisions. And what I go back to is you have to at some point and everybody's different in terms of the level of risk and level of gamble that they're willing to take. And you, you, you know, this idea of it, of, um, calculated risk and really calculated risk is, it should be not just this assessment of all the things that can go bad. And I think risk a lot of times is only associated with the things that can go bad. But if you don't take a risk, you're not going to get any of the, the big stuff either. So as if you're going to do a calculated risk, then you have to calculate what could go wrong and what's the probability of that and what could go right and what's the probability of that and what's the impact of both. And then, you know, like, fine, you can do both sides of it. But there's something about this willing to think about what you can have and what you can get. Because as a society, it's amazing how hard we are on people that try and don't, it doesn't turn out the way they expect. I remember just career decisions that I made in my 20s where, uh, my boyfriend and I were talking about this at breakfast today. And I was saying, I go, there's a lot of things that I risked in my twenties 
mainly because, you know, this is going to sound like, you know, poor Heather, she wasn't held enough, but I probably wasn't held enough. But um, I just didn't grow up. My, my, like I, I've shared this in another podcast where my dad was sick and, you know, just was out, out of the picture for that reason for early on. And I was a daddy's girl and I'm sure if he hadn't gotten sick, I would have been, you know, hugged enough and told I was special and I sparkle. But that's just not how my mom saw it. And so I grew up where she had very, very high expectations in terms of my, my level of responsibility, like this is your responsibility to go do it. So she had high expectations for that, but low expectations as to my value or what I was going to bring to the table or me being sparkly or precious. And so in my twenties, I didn't, where I saw a lot of my friends, you know, I could see the pressure of, well, you know, my mom wants me to be this, or my dad wants me to be this. I had none of that. I was like, Hey, I'm, I basically, I'm not like strung out on something and, you know, living a life of destitute. So I've made it. So anything I do at this point, I can the bar is low. The bar was low. And that's literally what I said this morning. I'm like, there was something about the bar being low that set me up to do great things Hmm. because I, I didn't, everybody, you know, there was no one to impress. There was no one that was going to be disappointed if I tried something and it didn't work out who cared. So my tolerance for kind of being a jackass and doing things and not turning out fabulous is a lot higher than when I see my friends or even my boyfriend, he'll, he'll put a lot of pressure on himself because, you know, he's, and I told his mom, I'm like, you loved him entirely too much. Like he is, <laughs> he is really too, like too worried about it not turning out well. And for me, you know, yeah, I worry about like, what's my impact on other people. So I don't just take gambles and then, you know, let it, let the cards fall where they may. And if somebody else is, you know, damaged by it, I think about that quite a bit. But in terms of like, oh, I'm going to try this job or I'm going to go for this. And what if I get turned down? I'm like, well, I've been turned down since birth. You know, <laughs> my mom's been turning me down my whole life. So oh. I'm, I know that sounds so sad, but I'm really so sad. resilient in terms of, um, it does sound sad, but it, you know, it's it made me who I am, but, but there was, there's something positive in that because I never, I didn't really grow up. I just never expected anyone to be thrilled with me. So when they are, I'm like, well, well look at that. That feels good. But I don't, <laughs> I don't fear losing it. And maybe that's it. I don't have to fear losing it because I've lived without it in my, in my life at, at an early age. And so when I have it, I, I, I absolutely appreciate it. I'm grateful for it. But that's where I'd say like, you know, this is a long kind of drawn out way of saying of like our fear of looking bad, our fear of doing something and it looking good. And I, and I, I would say that maybe this is the part of it where, where you say like, okay, so we do that analogy of, are you instructing your brain to be curious? The next thing, it's not necessarily the next thing is this tactical thing of like, okay, then ask yourself questions and then do this. Your brain's already programmed for that. If you could just give it permission to be curious, it will naturally come up with questions and come up with what can I look at next? It'll be hungry for what else can I do? It'll go off. It'll have its marching orders. The next thing you have to do is also tell your brain, and it's totally cool if this doesn't turn out perfect. Hmm. You're, you're, you're fine if we try something and it's not perfect, but just for the love that's all that's good and holy, go try something. I have a question about what that looks like in practice, because this is, I mean, you've got the I'm Heather fucking MacArthur mantra, which has, frankly, from your origin story, I'm always endlessly impressed. Oh, yeah, no, you're a superhero. You got an origin origin story. story. (laughs) I was born on the planet of Pluto, the one that they said no longer existed. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? So you made your own neural pathway. You made your own freeway uh, to where you needed to go. Um, but it, the way you developed that, I, I, I know there is no way to proscribe a process that is one size fits all for everybody. But for somebody who's not used to giving themselves uh, permission to be curious, what does that look like in action? Like, what can I, if I'm somebody who is, uh, who's really stuck in the, I can't, this won't happen, nothing good is going to happen for me. What are the first steps I can take to kind of give myself permission to be curious? Yeah. So it's a little bit like, I, 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 I it's a little bit like a workout. What you need to understand is it's like working on a muscle. And so that neural pathway, the reason that we don't want to do it, or it doesn't feel right is because we're out of shape. So when you haven't been taking time to just tell your brain and go, okay, so what, what's possible? I haven't figured this out yet. What could, what could, we, could what could I do? And I just trust that there's things I can do. Um, the more you do it, you can see how much more, how much time you can spend in that s- space without reverting back to, but all these things are going to go wrong and all this stuff. And, the, and then, you know what? No one called me back last week. Why would they call me back this week? So you can, what I want you to do is almost sit back and observe your thoughts and go, how, how much can I, can I actually stay in the possibility zone before reverting back to all the bad possibilities? And the longer you can stay in the positive zone, that tells you how, how in shape and limber that muscle is becoming. So it's a little bit like if you, if you haven't been working out at all, and I tell you to like, you know, touch, stretch down and touch your toes. You, if you've been sitting in a chair this entire time, and I'm basically referencing to myself, if you've been sitting a lot, <laughs> trying to touch your toes, you're not going to be able to keep your legs straight. You're not going to be able to touch your toes. You might be able to get down to your like mid thigh, but that's okay. You got down to your mid thigh. Now it's like, okay, let me, let me take some time. Let me hang out in the mid thigh for a while. And then let me go down to my knee and then eventually trust that I'll get down to my toes because my body's designed to do it. Um, so you have to trust your brain's designed to do it. So spend some time in it, even if it's just, I am going to sit here for one, you know, 30 seconds is how much I think I can tolerate. And for 30 seconds, I'm going to just think of what's possible and invite my brain to think of what it would like to, you know, I like to ask myself different questions that kind of invite like this positive thought process. Or this, you know, kind of, um, you know, more of an of optimistic and hope, where where you just kind of assuming things are working out for you. So I'll say in the morning, and this is what I I shared with someone this week is, just in the morning, ask yourself, what do I want to do today? And it don't immediately go to, but you know, I can't do that stuff. I can't do that stuff. But that's such a great little exercise. What what do I want to do? You can then later after you've come up with your list of what you want to do, you can decide today's not the day to do it. But did you even give yourself the chance to entertain the concept of what you want to do? As adults, we tend to, we don't even invite ourselves to want. We just kind of go, the schedule says this, so therefore I have to do this. And my kids need this for me. And my boss needs this for me. But if you just took a second, no one told, no one can stop you from saying, I want to do this. Um, it sounds so indulgent, to be honest. We're, we're not programmed to even think that way. Yeah, but if you just but indulge, it costs nothing. It costs nothing. And honestly, you're giving yourself, if you think about it, if it feels too indulgent to do that, understand that you just literally took your brain for a spa treatment for free. Hmm. Like if you just said, what do I want? Because the beautiful message that you're sending is you're allowed to want 
I can't guarantee you I'm going to get it for you, but you're allowed to want. That is literally what all people are doing every time they take their kid to go see Santa. And I know everybody, you know, different religions, not everybody goes to see Santa. Uh, and sometimes it's not even because you're religious. But the <laughs> act of going to Santa, I think, is the most beautiful, beautiful act. And not because, look, my mom told me at four years old, this blessed, blessed, hard, hard ass that she was, because she's German and, you know, she just wasn't one to like, I don't have time for this whole like magical childhood crap. Like life is this. And she said, I think it was four or five. I was going to school or maybe it was preschool. And she's like, kids are going to tell you that there's a Santa. There's not. That's, that's, that's what their parents are telling them. That's what, you know, she's German. That's what Americans like to tell their kids. But by the way, there's no Santa and there's not some old dude with a beard that's shopping for you and bringing you gifts and I, I, cause I don't want you delusional to think that we're going to buy you all kinds of Christmas presents cause we're broke. And you know, <laughs> she had her own little German way of saying that. But so I walked into kindergarten going like you kids, I'm just telling you that old man, you don't mean anything. Oh but I still, what's funny is because you mix that with my dad, who, even though he knew my mom had told us that my little American dad, he would take us to the mall. And I remember sitting on Santa's lap in several different occasions and asking for the kitten with the white bow and the blue eyes still to this day. Mm-hmm. And, um, or the pink bow and white kitten, pink bow and blue eyes. I must've seen a cartoon or something. And um, it sounds like a Disney I would ask, Yeah. It's, I think maybe, I don't know. Cause we weren't allowed to watch Disney. Long story. Um, <laughs> this, we've got to devote a, at some future date. We have to devote an entire episode <laughs> to Heather unpacks her <laughs> childhood. <laughs> Ingrid, Ingrid's parenting tips. Um, but she, uh, yeah, so I, so I would go, and this is how clever I was. I was like, I went like, cat, and yeah, my mom didn't like the Disney thing because she liked the old school hardcore uh, fairy tales that were really written to scare the crap out of kids. That end in death. Day. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So this whole like Disney stuff, she's like, what kind of soft, happy ending kind of crap is this? Like, you're, you know, that's delusional. Um but my dad was so the opposite. And so anyways, we go and I would always ask Santa for the cat and then the power to be magic because, you know, he's only showing up once a year. I need to be able to do this stuff on a regular basis. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so even on my birthdays and stuff, I'd always wish like a power to be magic. But here's here's where I, I would throw it out is like you're and I don't mean to be cheesy about this, but it's going to sound cheesy. Your brain is magical. Like we all have the power to actually be magic. Like we we really underestimate the capacity to create solutions and create situations for ourselves and how much we create our reality. Uh, We just, we don't really give that credit because we're so busy looking at what's outside. And I'm like, yeah, but you're in a job that someone else created because of their imagination, because they created a product or a service that didn't exist before. And so that was magic. And now you're, but but we want that certainty. So we hand hold on to the tangibles the tangibles only exist because someone else's imagination got it there. And so I, I, you know, that's where I'd say like, in terms of what's the practical thing someone should do, they should work that muscle. So ask yourself, what do you want to do today? That's it's okay. If later I have to tell you that we're not going to do that, but for now I'm just going to swim in what I want to do. And I find that most people are horrible at knowing what they want to do and watch how fast you ha- you want to respond with, well, what I have to do today is this or what's on my, well, maybe after that, or, well, you know what? I can't do what I want to do, but I'm like the act of just thinking about what you want is not tied to anything in reality. It doesn't have to be so, but most people think that living in that kind of daydreaming is what most people would call it is a waste of time. 
but that is where creativity is generated. And when you're sitting in a situation where either you're not sure what's happening with your job or you're furloughed or you're out of work, you know, anybody, no matter what your situation is right now, the worst thing you could do is let the creativity muscles stay out of shape. This is your time to really get it to an Olympic level. If you're in a job right now, your company really needs people who are being creative about what this new future of the organization should look like because no one has the answer. There is not anybody in your company who's like, I've been through this before. Mm -hmm. I've been through a pandemic and civil unrest all at the same time where the (laughs) economy is, is falling apart. Like no one's been through this before. So this is fresh. Everybody has to be creative. If you've been furloughed and you're like, I'm in this holding pattern, you get a chance to, how do you be creative on your own behalf? And I I get people are, you know, they want to make sure that their company, they want to stay with their company. They're hoping it all pans out. But I'd say, feel free to be creative. You know, ask yourself, what do I want to do today? What kind of work would I, I love someone to call me up and ask me to do? And I don't know what that will invite you to do, but it'll be interesting to see where that pulls you. For some people, I've seen it pull them to I need to be applying for work somewhere else. For others, it's like, it's the right thing to wait to see if this furrow lifts. I don't know what the answer is, but your brain will get you there. Your inner inner compass will tell you. But if you're not allowing your brain to even explore, then your inner compass can't tell you whether to turn right or left. And if you're out of work right now, this, the hard part of that is, is if, you know, depending on your financial situation, it's triggering all your survival instincts. And survival is all about action. And not about imagination. So you will, you will, if you're in survival mode, you will tap into things you've already done in the past. And what's hard about that is it may not be telling you to do the things that are most, you know, setting you up for success. So what I would say is it, I, no matter how busy you are, no matter how stressed you are, if you did, you know, one minute, I'm not even going to say 15 minutes of meditation and all that kind of stuff. Like that might even be too ambitious for you. If you're in a hard, tough spot right now, that if you just every morning, I'm going to ask you to at least do the discipline of one minute swimming in, what do I want today? Hmm. And then when you, and then the second thing that I would say is police your language um, and make sure that you're adding yet. Like it's, you know, I, I remember I went to Paris and I was eating and I was like, oh my God, the food's so flavorful. It's so great. And this is, and this. now I know why Parisians can eat such small amounts and there's so much cream and flavor and blah, blah. blah. And then the, you know, one of the people that was talking to me in the restaurant was like, oh, Americans know one seasoning, it's salt. And that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, you are correct, sir. Um, you know, play around with pepper sometimes, you know, more fancy. But, you know, so treat yet like salt. Add it to everything. People putting salt on watermelon for crying out loud. So add yet to everything. So if you're just like, you know, um, I'm broke as hell yet, you know, right. so I don't know, even if it doesn't make grammatical I have sense. zero money yet. Yeah, Yeah. but look how magical that is. Yet, like that is what invites hope. To say yet is the language of hope. Is this is is to say, I believe it's out there. It just hasn't happened yet. And so, the more you can add yet to things, the more you're going to speak the language of hopes. So, do the little workout. What What do I want? Speak the language of hope. And then the 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 thing that I'm going to throw out there um, last on this is pick a freaking destination. And this is something that you can only do if you start to stretch a little bit on the want and the yet is pick a destination. And what I'm seeing people go like, well, you know, no one can predict where we're going to be, or I'm waiting for the elections to happen, or I'm waiting until they have a, 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 a cure for, or, a, um, um, I don't know. What do they call that? What are they trying to get? That uh, thing you had? Yeah. For COVID. <laughs> yeah. 
you have no but but the thing that prevents covid oh like antibodies the, the, and stuff uh, um, oh the vaccine okay <laughs> thank you um, sorry i have a t- <laughs> we would be we would be so great charades? At, um oh my god i'm so <laughs> charades i'm so like Oh, oh Lord. Anyway, so, you know, but people are waiting for this, like, I'm waiting for an answer to come for the world to feel more certain. And I, I just, you know. Um, well, you just stuck that to me. Before we started recording, you asked me point blank, how are you feeling? And I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what November looks like. I don't know what 2021 looks like. I cannot even sit in that. So yeah, you, you really, you tested my, uh, you, you were testing my mental spa day. I have not booked myself a mental spa day yet to figure out what I want that to look like. So I'm listening. I'm taking notes. Yeah, I, I and I think that's the thing is is that people are waiting for some sort of certainty on it instead of going. There is nothing preventing you though from sitting in what you want to see. Like, what do you want to see in November? What do you want to see in December? What do you want 2021? What do you want today to feel like? Like, what do you want this next hour to feel like? You just practicing that is telling yourself that there's possibility. And when you don't, when you don't even bother because there's no way to know, everything's so crazy. It's the worst thing to do because I can say, like, I want this. I can be clear about what I want, and then I can make rational decisions about what, how much I can put towards it and how much I can't. But it's the same thing that happens when I career coach people, and they'll say, I, I really need help with career with my career, and I don't know where to go, and I don't know what, what the next chapter is. And I was like, well, what do you want it to be? And I actually have to send them on homework assignments. It's the, it's the number one thing that I have to send them on to get really clear as to what they want, not what someone told them to want, not what seems like the practical thing to want, but what do you genuinely want? What fires you up? And when it comes to getting shit done, nothing will set you up to make miracles happen more than truly wanting something. And if you don't truly want it, it is going to be really hard to go through whatever obstacles show up to get in the way. But if you pick a destination you also can look at the environment that you're in and the reality that's presenting itself and go, what's an opportunity and what's an actual challenge and how do I leverage both? And what I found is in, in situations where I've, I saw this a lot in, in corporate where like 2008 hit or so, a, a leader got fired and now we don't have someone in charge and I'd see people wait around. Well, I'm just going to wait till they hire someone new because I want to start something and then have to dismantle it. And I'm like, but you're assuming that they're the ones always in charge just because mm. they sit in a title. I'm like, I think, I, to me, if you're, if I, I always sat there and I said, what do I want to be able to do in this job? So I was like, awesome. No one's here to tell me no right now. I am going to take advantage of this like nobody's business for as much, for as far as I can run this train. And then what I noticed is when the leaders would get hired and placed, they had to deal with the fact that a train was in motion versus they're going to they're gonna listen to me ask if I can do this now that they're here. It's not in motion. It's a lot easier to say no to it. In motion, they may want to pick it apart. They may even want to stop it, but they've gonna, they're going to have to think twice. It's going to take energy to stop the train in motion. And so when people go, oh, we don't have a manager, we're stuck, and it's a challenge, and I'm like, how do you know it's a challenge if you don't know what you're up to? If you know what you're up to, it may actually be the best thing that's happening. And if the destination you've picked is centered on what you want to do and where you want to get to, the other people that change titles and change positions and roles above you have little, honestly, little to do with the outcome of that. Yeah, I mean, I think the next thing is if you 
you pick a destination and you get a sense of like what it is. And even, you know, this is project management 101, but picking your milestones, but milestones matter because if you're going through a storm, which I think a lot of people feel like they're going through storms right now and you go, you know, I'm picking a destination, I'm going to go there. Then you have to go, then what are some things that would tell me that I'm headed towards that destination? Cause I can't just, it's not like I picked something and I can just go, Oh, that's what it looks like. And I'm just going to cross the street and get it. If you picked an audacious you know, destination, something that like inspires you and gets you riled up. You need to find some milestones of what does it look like for success? And I'm going to use the analogy of a kid walking. We want a kid to walk and eventually run. Like when they take those little chubby steps and fall on their ass, that to us is a milestone. And we get excited about it. If, if someone didn't understand that the destination was to run and that, that, and if someone didn't believe that that kid would eventually run, then the kid falling would be a sign of disaster. Oh crap, this kid's never going to walk. But so that, so we don't ever, we don't get that certain, that, that when we're risking something audacious, there's going to be those little failures because you're experimenting, but it, it happens with coaching a lot. I have to, I have to set people up to know their, their managers to know is like, just so you know, it's going to get uglier before it gets pretty. So if I'm asking them to do completely new things, I'm asking them to go out of their comfort zone. I'm asking them to try something that they're not comfortable with. They're going to not do that gracefully and they're going to fall on their ass a couple of times. But what you need to see as a sign of success is that they're trying something different. And if you don't cheer that on the way you cheer the little fat baby running across, <laughs> you know, stumbling across the floor, maybe they're well, fat for some sure, healthy of course. Babies, I guess are fat. Uh, yeah. I, 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 what's the age that being fat stops yeah. being healthy? But anyways. <laughs> Another, that's another, a whole other podcast. But <laughs> a whole other podcast. If you don't cheer that on, then people will go, "Oh, I must not be experiencing progress." But you have to understand what it takes to reach progress, and that milestones aren't just a deliverable. Milestones aren't neat. I don't. I look for the growth milestones, not just oh, you know, in project management, it's we deliver this by December second, we deliver this by February. That's a, that's a marker. That's a mile marker. That's not a milestone. A milestone to me is we've evolved at some level and evolution is messy. And so I'm like, are we tackling more audacious problems than we were able to a month ago? Then that means we're evolving. Our, our issues and challenges, just like a kid learning to walk, the stuff that you're tackling before you were just tackling, you know, stumbling across a, a, a piece of carpet. Now you're tackling having to navigate furniture. That's a bigger audacious problem. So that's what progress looks like when you pick a destination. So in this scenario, if you pick an audacious situation or a destination and you're navigating, what's a, what would a milestone be for September? And it's not like, oh, I'm going to be in this spot and I'm going to, you know, have a pay. I'm going to be capable of doing this by September. So when you pick a milestone, pick it by capability. What am I going to be capable of mm. by this time so that I can then be capable of something else that will eventually lead to this destination that I'm headed for? And those are the milestones that really matter. And then, yes, you don't, you should, it shouldn't be completely reliant on whether someone says yes to you, but if you're determined to do something, find the people that, that are going to help you along the way. And, you know, I don't think it's about doing this on your own. And I, I, I think we're in an interesting time where we are, we're supposed to quarantine, but yet we're also understanding just how much we need each other. And this idea of how do you build community around what you're trying to do and that you pick the people that are going to help you do that versus just these are the people I'm stuck with, even if they're constantly in the way of the things that I want to do. And sometimes that means leaving the job and going to something else. Sometimes that means really picking different friends 
Sometimes that means really choosing where you're spending your time and being precious about what kind of language you're willing to take in from others. And that's hard when you're in a family that maybe has learned a lot of that negative talk or friends who really spend more time complaining about things or tearing apart other people because they haven't learned how to ask themselves what they want and what they want to do. And I was watching um, a television program the other day and I was talking about, you know, oh, that person, oh, I like this about them or I like there's some sort of, it was the, uh, was it the Titan, Titan Games that, that, uh, um, oh, Johnson cute. Runs or yes, whatever. Yes, yes. It, well, I like it because it's a very diverse kind of group of people that they have in there. And so I was, and, and I was watching it and, um, I was talking to, to my friend on the phone and we were, you know, I was talking about it, making comments about stuff. And she was like, Oh, you just like everybody, don't you? And I was like, I, I don't, I, I, I go, but, but I, I, when I look at people, I do tend to first look for what do I, what do I, what do I appreciate about them? And I would, cause honestly, selfishly, I just feel better versus looking at them and picking them apart because I'm only picking apart the things that I would probably pick apart on myself. And so it's, it's just an ugly place to be. So how do you start, you know, are you trained and are you, are you at, this is what I'll, I'll challenge people. Are you as in shape and flexible and capable of spending time and swimming in the lanes of noticing what's working, of asking what you want, of imagining possibilities as you are in probably Olympic level at pointing out all the things that are wrong and all the things that aren't working. And so if you can, if you can, you know, be practiced in both equally, then I'm fine with you dipping back and forth. But my thing is, is like people are sitting there going like, oh, well, you know, this this can happen. And I'm like, that's great. Once again, you're being realistic. Then fine. Be realistic about all the things that could possibly happen that are great. Wow. Okay. So I did not know that this was going to end with a challenge to get in shape. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I, I like that exercising, building those, we're going to, we're going to build new freeways in our brain and we're going to limber up for our spa day. Those are three fairly different things, but I think they tie together. <laughs> you have to be limber to build a freeway. You got to have a spa day to reward yourself yeah. and to get yourself there. <laughs> and, and sitting on, let's not forget that we are going to operate on the uh, clause that there is. We're going to operate on the assumption like the that, there that there is Santa Claus. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that in. The clause that there's a clause. Um, well, we want to hear from you. We're talking freeways. We're talking uh, exercise. We're talking spa days. We're talking Santa Claus. What do you think of the neural pathways that we're building, the exercises that we're recommending you take? What are your practical steps uh, to get into the optimism mindset, the uh, creativity mindset? If you have a question, a story that relates to what you heard today, uh, something you want to share that has to do with what we talked about, or if you just want to hear us discuss discuss something uh, different or tangential that's on your mind, or if you want to really dig deep and get that one hour uh, made for TV movie that is Heather's childhood, let us know. Tweet us. (laughs) (laughs) Tweet us at... Or if you want us to stop talking about Heather's childhood. (laughs) No, we need to devote its own space, I I think. Um. Tweet us at LMTP Consulting. Message us on Instagram, Low Man on the Totem Pole, all one word. Or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. 
thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to optimistically uh, finding out what is in all of our futures as we forge those neural pathways ourselves. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.